good to be among you again. Sorry to hear that uh, George wasn't able to come. But I hear he's coming next week because he's a great guy and you've got a, a good word from him. Let's just pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just want to thank you that you're here. We want to thank you, Lord, that you truly are the living God. That you are a God who comes to be with his people. And we thank you, Lord, for these lovely hymns that we've been able to sing in honor and praise to you. And we pray, Lord, that because of them that we might feel uplifted inside. And now, Lord, we come to your word. (coughs) And we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to all that the Spirit wants to say to us. We pray, Lord, that it would be true what the Scripture says, that we won't only be hearers, but we would be doers also of your word. (coughs) Father, we believe that you want to speak to each and every one of us today. So open our ears and our hearts now, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time I was here, I spoke about what defines us, what makes us who we are. And I suggested that one of the things is God's grace living in and through us. I'd like to begin by asking a question of each of us this morning. And it's a very personal question, but it's a question that I believe that we all have to answer. And the question is this, is your God big enough? Is he big enough? This God that I believe in, this God that you believe in, this God that believes in us, is he big enough? Is he big enough to fulfill in your life all that he said he would do? Is he big enough? Is he big enough to fulfill all the promises that he has promised in this word that you've given him, that he's given us? Is he big enough? Miriam and I, over the years that we have been married, we have traveled a lot. And every time we travel, it seems that we're laden down with luggage. We always seem to have loads of luggage. The last, the first time actually we went to Afghanistan, we had so much luggage that the lady took us into a room and said, listen, you'll have to empty half your bags. We just have so much luggage, it seems, wherever we were going. And so I have a dream. And my dream is this, that one day I want to travel light. One day I want to travel with not having to worry that I will be bankrupt by the airlines charging me for so much excess baggage. I have a dream. And my dream is that one day I'll walk on a plane with just one little bag in my hand. And I'll go and put it on the locker above and I'll sit down And I will enjoy the flight without a worry and care about my baggage. And when the plane lands, I'll walk right off that plane without a worry or care with my little bag. And everything will be... I have a dream that one day I'll be able to travel light. 
And you might be thinking there and saying, well, Robert, why don't you just go and travel light? And that is the question I believe that God wants you to answer this morning for yourself as he challenges us because he'll ask exactly the same question. Why aren't you traveling right through this life that God has given you? You know, it's amazing if you think about it, the excess baggage that you and I have picked up since we woke this morning and since we arrived here. And God doesn't want us to go through life laden down with unnecessary baggage. Because it can be very tiresome and very wearisome. What did Jesus say in his word? Come unto me all you who are weary and who are carrying heavy baggage and I will give you rest. And I believe that God's word this morning for us is this. My people, he's saying, I want you to travel light. But the question is this, is your God big enough to take all these burdens and all these cares that we have and carry around with? Is he big enough for us to unload them on him? Let's hear God's word. There's two readings. If you have your Bible, you'd first like to turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And we'll read the last few verses, reading from verse 10. And it's just a reminder of how great God is and how good he is to us. And this is what God's word says to us this morning. And this is probably the most important part of the service. Isaiah 61 from verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Now why has, is Isaiah able to say that? Well the answer comes. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels for as the soil <coughs> makes a young plant come up and a garden causes seed to grow so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. God is a God who loves to give good gifts. He clothed us. And in the second reading, it's a well-known reading, but I'd like you to turn to it in your Bible anyway. It's Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And this is, again, God's word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. <clears throat> he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, it's amazing about this psalm, how well known it is. I can remember in Afghanistan, in, in a place called Mazar, which is in north of the country, Miriam and I were visiting a hospital, and I was just looking at, through some of the reference books, and there, in the reference book at the start, was this psalm printed out. And it's an amazing psalm, and it's been used all over the world. For you and I to learn to travel light, to lay our burdens down, it means that we have to trust God. We have to trust God so that he'll take these burdens that he never meant us to carry in the first place. Listen to one translation from that well-known verse in 1 Peter 5. Unload your burdens onto him, since he's looking after you. He wants us to unload. But is he big enough? Or do we feel that we have to keep some to our still? When I was in the ministry in, in Stirling, we lived in the manse. And I had a study in the manse. And in that study, just a few feet from where I sat, was a bear. The bear was so close to me that if I wanted, I could have touched him. He was so near to me that if I wanted, I could have stroked him. But I didn't. Why not? Was I afraid of this great bear? Well, hardly. This bear hadn't moved for years. When I went to start my ministry in Stirling, a little girl in the church to make me feel at home gave me this bear. And and at first I thought this bear was great. At first I was really impressed by this bear. And so this bear had pride of place in my study. But you know what? Over the years, I got so used to that bear that sometimes I hardly noticed him. The bear was just there. And David, I believe, led by God the Holy Spirit, is concerned that you and I don't make the same mistake about God. That we get used to him. That he's just there. And so David's pen has hardly touched the papyrus that he was right on when he's urging us, challenging us to avoid the gods of our own making. David here in these first two words in the psalm, he writes, The Lord. And from these two words, he sets out to deliver you and I from the burden of believing that a God is a God who cannot take our burdens. You could argue, and I want to suggest to you, that the whole psalm is based on these first two words. The Lord. Now the psalm we know talks about green pastures. 
of going and drinking from the deep cool water. But it's not a thesis for rest. Although many of us use it, and we should take the advice of going and eating and drinking well. But it's not a thesis for rest. The psalm describes the valley of the shadow of death. But this is not a so a, a, an ode for the dying, although I have used it many, many times when I've sat beside people who were dying. The psalm talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. But the theme of the psalm is not heaven. Although we use the psalm and we should because it's a great theme, it's a great promise. If you know and love the Lord, you're going to heaven. But I want to suggest to you the psalm is a testimony to who God is. To remind us of what our God can do. And so can I suggest that David in this 115 words in this psalm seeks to explain the first two. And the first two words are the Lord. The Lord. Is he big enough to take your burdens and your cares? And David would want to cry out in this psalm, Yes, yes, and yes again. This God that I commend to you, the Lord, he is big enough. It's strange, isn't it? How very subconsciously most of us have refashioned God to our own image. We're refashioning God so that we can cope with our God. And I went and I thought, well, that can't be true. I've not refashioned my God to help me. And so I read a little bit about um, how people refashion our God. And it really struck me that maybe there is some truth in that. You know, one of the ways that we've refashioned our God is the way that we use him. He's like the genie in the bottle. There is God, and we get on with our life, and everything's going great, and He's just there. And then all of a sudden, trouble happens. All of a sudden, we find ourselves in a sticky situation, and we take the God, and we unplug the lamp, and let God come out, and then we pray and ask that God will help us in our situation. And because God is a gracious God, He does, and then after He does, He goes back into the bottle. Until the next crisis. And sometimes we've refashioned our God to do that. Maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. I was reading somewhere that a lot of people look on God as the congenial grandfather. Who sits on the chair and we can go and sit on his knee and have a nice cozy chat when he's a, a, um, not asleep. And that's the way that we think about our God. And the last one I read about surprised me. But we think about God as the father who is working away for six weeks and comes back on a Sunday. And we come into church all dressed, all looking spiritual, all doing the spiritual things, knowing that on Monday morning we can go and be ourselves again. 
And the God that we've refashioned doesn't impact our lives. He's there for our convenience. And that's not the God that David commends in the psalm. And so David starts the psalm by saying, you want to know who God really is? Then read the first two words and meditate on them. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's only one word. The word that David uses here is an amazing word. He says, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, the name doesn't really mean much to us. It doesn't cause bells to ring in our head. It's foreign to us. But in David's day, to those who read it, this name Yahweh was so meaningful, so rich. It was an amazing thing. You know, David chose Yahweh over and against so many other words to describe God. El Shaddai. There's a word for you. God Almighty. I like that. God Almighty is my shepherd. Or El Elyon. God Most High. There's another. The God Most High is my shepherd. Or El Elyon. God Everlasting. That's even maybe better. God everlasting is my shepherd. These and many other names were there at David's disposal. But being led by God the Holy Spirit, David chose Yahweh. Why? Because he knew that on this morning, on this day, Robert Young would be standing here and commending the word Yahweh to himself and to the folks that are here. Is your God big enough? Can you cast all your cares and burdens on Him? Yes, if Yahweh is your God. Now you can call me bald, and I am. You can call me good looking, and my wife thinks so. You can call me a great soccer player. I might even play for Germany one day. But that's not my name. That's not my name. You can call me dad, and I am a dad. <coughs> Miriam calls me the best husband in the world, and that's true, I think. You can describe me in so many different ways. But if you want to call me by my name, my name is Robert. And here's the beautiful truth that brings a tear to my eye. If you want to call God by his name, you say Yahweh. Yahweh. And to me that just opens a lovely door and gives me a little insight into who my God is. That he's told me his name. Why did he tell me his name? When I told Miriam my name, I told her for one reason, I wanted to get to know her. Oh, I really did. God wants to get to know me so much that he's told me his name. Moses was the first to learn God's name. 
700 years before David Moses had a, a burning bush experience. He was just going about his ordinary things in life when something caught his attention. It was the burning bush and he stopped. And he went. And God wants us all this morning to have that burning bush experience. He wants us to stop and look and see who God is. And God said to Moses, Moses, I want you to return to Egypt. And that is the last place that Moses wanted to go to. For 40 years he had been in the the wilderness trying to forget Egypt. And God said, Moses, I want you to go back because I want you to be my man there. And God will always bring us back to the place where he wants us to start and say, yes, that's where you should start. And Moses didn't want to go back and he made more excuses than my grandkids make at night when I tell them to go to bed. That was the last place that he wanted to go. So what was the clincher? What made Moses trust his God called Yahweh? Listen to what the scripture says. When I go to the Israelites, this is Moses speaking, I will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. What if the people say, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Then God says to Moses, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am sent you. And God would later remind Moses of this encounter when he said to Moses, I am Yahweh. To Abraham, Isaac and Jacob I appeared as El Shaddai. I did not make myself known to them by my name, Yahweh. Exodus 6. God revealed his name. You know, to the Israelites, the Jews, this name was too holy to be spoken of by human lips. And so whenever they needed to write this word Yahweh, they had a substitute. The substitute was called Adonai, which just means the Lord. And every time in the the Old Testament, when you read the word the Lord, Yahweh is what it means. It was so precious and holy that if a scribe had to write it down, he would first of all go and bathe himself clean. He would take the pen, he would write the word and then take the pen and burn it. Now God never gave us a definition of his name, Yahweh. You can go up and look what Robert means. It's quite a good name actually. (coughs) But God never gave us a definition of the word Yahweh. Moses actually never requested a definition and I'm told that many scholars down through the ages wish he had. When you think about it, have you ever heard of someone going around just saying, I am, I am? People don't say that, they'll say, I am happy, I am rich, I am fair-haired, whatever. However, God, this God that wants us to cast all our burdens upon him, never needed to add to his name. Because his name is sufficient. 
You need a big God, he's saying. Then here I am. Here I am. And you can get no bigger. Psalm 102 puts it like this. You are the one who is. You never change. Our God is the unchanging God. Though he creates, he was never created. Though he makes, he was never made. Though he caused, he was never caused. Before the mountains were born, you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And when we think about God, and we think about that question, is your God big enough? The Lord is my shepherd. You know, he doesn't have to check the weather. He makes it. He's not bound by anything. We could go on and be here all day seeking to describe this great and wonderful God. I want to urge you just to go and take even half an hour and begin to look at the names of God and what he means to us. And get rid of the thoughts sometimes that take us of thinking of a lesser deity. Yahweh. There there is no bigger than Yahweh. When Lloyd Douglas, the author of The Robe and other books, was attending college, the story goes that he lived in a boarding house. And down the stairs was a retired, wheelchair-bound music professor. And every morning, Lloyd would go down to this professor's door, knock on it, stick his head in, and ask the same question every morning. He would say, well, what's the good news? And the old man would pick up his tuning fork, tap it on the side of his wheelchair, and say, Lloyd... That's the middle sea. It's a middle sea today. It was a middle sea yesterday. And it will be a middle sea tomorrow. And it will be a middle sea 2,000 years hence. The tenor up the stair sings flat. The piano in the hall is out of tune. But my friends, ding, that is a middle sea. It's consistent. A middle sea never changes. It is the same. And you and I need a middle sea in our life. You and I need this unchanging God. That when all around is uncertain and change comes in every direction, Yahweh is our shepherd. And if you know that truth, then you're able to say the next line, We shall not be in want. That we can cast our burdens on him. And so I leave that question with you. Is your God big enough for you to cast your cares on him? The word is simple this morning. God is saying, my children, go on. Lighten up. Lighten up. Begin to travel light. 
Now what I would want to do with you now, just before we come to communion, is if you have your Bibles, I'd like you all to turn to that psalm, Psalm 23. And what I'd like you to do just in preparation before we sing the hymn for communion, I would like you to begin to read it through in your minds quietly. And as you read it through, when you come to the personal pronouns, I would like you to say these personal pronouns in your minds aloud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. So let's do that. Let's just take time to be quiet and read Psalm 23. And realize again, Yahweh, your God is a God who's big enough. Let's just pray together. Father, thank you again that you are a God who wants to reveal yourself to us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your name and that we can come and call you Yahweh. Help us, Lord, to understand even just a little of what that would mean. So that, Lord, as we face this coming week, we will know that Yahweh is our God. And that we will not be in want. Thank you again for your word. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.